This is the 54th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Julia Chesky. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Now, this past week was absolutely off the charts with Tucker Carlson's crazy January 6th made-up new narrative of nonsense. Here's the clip. We're just going to go right into it. He wasn't accusing Republican office holders of planning riots on January 6th. He was accusing them of running away from those riots like cowards. In the case of Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, the committee and their allies accused him of both. Josh Hawley is a To prove that Josh Hawley was a coward, the committee released video of him loping out of the building on the afternoon of January 6th with a police escort. The tape became a staple on social media. Democrats laughed with derision. Later that day, Senator Hawley fled after those protesters he helped to rile up stormed the Capitol. See for yourself. (laughs) But in fact, the surveillance footage we reviewed shows that famous clip was a sham, edited deceptively by the January 6th committee. The clip was propaganda, not evidence. The actual videotape shows that Hawley was one of many lawmakers being ushered out of the building by Capitol Hill police officers. And in fact, Hawley was at the back of the pack. The coward tape was a lie. Tucker Carlson played that clip on Monday night. This is the start, the first week of his huge rollout of this footage. It was supposedly going to change the entire narrative January 6th. I'm watching it from my tiny studio apartment in Brooklyn. And when I saw that clip, I knew immediately he was the one being deceptive. Now, the voice that you also heard in there was Representative Elaine Lurie. She's no longer a congresswoman. Um, She introduced the clip. I knew he was being deceptive because I remembered the clip. Now, I am so uh, nutty that I kept a detailed spreadsheet of the entire January 6th committee hearing. So I went to this crazy spreadsheet that's epically long, typed in Howley, found the clip that said day eight, Howley ran, was how I described it, which I thought was kind of funny, very succinct there. So I go to my clip, I search for day eight, I scroll through, I find the clip exactly, I, I watch it. And lo and behold, Tucker Carlson tried to show his viewers that the January 6th committee cut out footage of a bunch of senators running down, off screen, running, running, and then Josh Hawley coming up the rear. Then he claimed that the committee didn't show their viewers that Josh Hawley was part of a crowd. This is what actually happened. January 6th shows Josh Hawley running. They showed the clip a couple times. Then the next um, angle, camera angle, is from the bottom of the staircase. And you see a bunch of people running down the staircase. Josh Hawley is one of many. So they they weren't deceptive at all. What Tucker Carlson did is he cut off that last segment of the footage. It was two different camera angles. One that saw the side of people running through down the staircase. And one showed them at the bottom of the staircase. So Tucker Carlson was the one creatively editing it. I got that out in a tweet as soon as humanly possible. It blew up to over 130,000 views. 
And I'm proud to say that Tucker Carlson did not dare repeat that one again. Now, through the course of the next rest of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he repeated a lot of the same nonsense about uh, Jacob Chansley, which, which we will get to later. But he did not show the Josh Hawley clip over again because it was too easy to debunk him. Uh, as far as I know, I'm the only person that did it. There may have been other people who did it in print, but the only person who did it on Twitter. Uh, if I'm incorrect, my apologies. Uh, but yes, I was like electric, uh, like lost my mind because I was screaming at my computer like I knew he was lying. So, and I say lying. I don't often say lying because it's a legal liability issue. But in this case, I'm sorry I'm saying it. So that was the week. It was such a bizarre week on Fox because Tucker Carlson was in his own planet and the rest of the network completely ignored him. They no, None of this footage got picked up on The Five. None of it got repeated on Fox and Friends. They just ignored him. They were talking about sending the military in to go after Mexican drug cartels. And they were also talking about uh, the boring congressional investigations, and the crime stories and border stories and stuff like this, the usual. But nobody, nobody on any other Fox show. Now, if you follow Fox News at all, you know that the company is being sued by Dominion Voting Systems for defamation for the amount of $1.6 billion. And a number of documents, including sworn depositions or at least sections of these depositions, have been released to the public that show Fox News um, executives and anchors um, believe, did not believe the lie that the 2020 election was stolen, yet they promoted it anyway. Now, this includes Tucker Carlson, and I got challenged on this by some fact checker with a very small following from the UK. It was, I got a bizarre email, very strange email, very long-winded kind of um, I would call it kind of aggressive, and I just sort of went, oh, give me a break. I save everything. So I, I showed him my two sources that I got it from. But uh, back in December, there was a hearing about the Dominion uh, lawsuit. And at the hearing, Shackelford, who is one of the lawyers for um, Dominion, said uh, he didn't show the deposition but there obviously is a deposition that Tucker Carlson sat for under sworn, you know, under oath. And he said that Tucker Carlson also believed that this election lie was not true, that the election wasn't stolen. So on Monday night, I'm watching Tucker Carlson tonight. And within the first minute, I hear this. And I'm sure every other person covering Fox News had the same reaction I did. The protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted. And they were right. In retrospect, it is clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about that election, no honest person can deny it. Yet the beneficiaries of that election continue to lie about what is now obvious. You can imagine my reaction to that statement that Tucker Carlson just made. <laughs> So I have not read the entire uh, deposition that he gave under sworn, you know, under oath, um, where he basically said he didn't believe the lie about the 2020 election. So, again, under oath, he said this. I, I don't have it, but I do have evidence from the lawyer from Dominion that he said that. All right. <laughs> so Tucker Carlson has no respect for his audience 
and absolutely no shame, and that he went ahead and repeated the big lie anyway. Now, he didn't say Dominion. He didn't add uh, Smartmatic, the two companies that are suing um, Fox News for over a billion each, but, you know, he went ahead and repeated the big lie, and I, I just fell over. I went, I can't even believe this. They do not care. And I think it might have been part of the reason why the other shows didn't pick up any of this nonsense about January 6th and his footage and his big discovery, yada, yada, because they don't want to add to this. They already know they're cooked. They're The company will most likely settle everything I've read, with a couple exceptions. Lawyers have said they, they will most likely settle because they do not want Hannity, Ingram, Tucker Carlson, um, top executives, you know, on a witness stand being cross-examined by, you know, amazingly sharp attorneys. Because if you read the legal briefs, the Dominion attorneys are fierce. These are not, you know, uh, novices. These are attorneys who know what they're doing and they know how to write and I'm sure they know how to cross-examine. And it would be Absolutely brutal because it won't be filmed. This, this, I, to my knowledge, it's a civil suit. This will not be filmed. However, there will be reporters there who will be writing everything down and reporting on it. And um, I don't have the budget to fly to Delaware if that happens. Um, but yeah, I will be all over that. But anyway, so before I get into the footage, and I did do an incredibly deep dive into the footage, I should give a shout out. To my sponsor, this project is made possible by the Townite Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. And I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. It is a grant. It is a very humble grant. This is a micro-budget project. I have no producer. I have no help. It's all me. I do everything myself, which is really difficult. I was in negotiations with a um, another organization. I'm not sure what's happening with that. There's been some upheaval that may have fallen through. I don't know. So I'm going to take this time to uh, let you know that I have paid subscribers and a Patreon that if you want to support this project. Uh, my grant is up in mid-August. This this is part of an extension of the grant um, because they were hoping that I would get picked up or at least collaborate with this other organization, which I will not mention. I would never mention. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that. <laughs> uh, I worked in the entertainment industry for most of my adult life. I have been disappointed so many times I can't even tell you. I nearly got a sketch comedy show at one point in my life. Didn't get it. I can't even tell you. So it's part of the business. I just will keep going. I will keep trucking. If I do end up working with them, great. Then I will tell you all about it. And if I don't, I won't say one word. Because uh, that would not be ethical or appropriate for me to do. So anyway... We're going back to um, the footage, and I'm very excited about this. I also want to mention very quickly that if you need any hyperlinks that I mentioned, because there are quite a few in this week's episode, the newsletter is the written version of this podcast. It will have the same title. It will be found at my Substack at Decoding Fox News. So now... We're getting into it. This is going to take a minute because this was involved. I first want to describe the process I went through to get this. This was very tricky. So what Tucker Carlson did is I ended up cutting it up and putting it back together. And it was about 10 and a half minutes worth of coverage. That's nothing. <laughs> You're talking about 40,000 hours. And the reason why it's 40,000 hours, of course, is because there's like hundreds of cameras. So it's a lot of 
the same time frame, just different angles pointed at different parts of the Capitol. So you're talking about like just a crazy amount of surveillance footage. And um, they tried to take these this hours of coverage and turn it into something that showed a false narrative. So what I did was I went through every section where the coverage was on the screen, where the footage was on the screen, captured it, put it back through Premiere Pro, and then cut it up and put it into categories. And I kind of named the categories. So I had like hallway, great room, um, ceiling shot. So, and then I went through because what his editors had done is they purposefully cut back and forth and move things around and would start like halfway through a clip, start a third way through the clip, repeat loop things to make it seem like there was more going on. They were, and this is a, anybody who's edited video knows how to do this, knows how to see it. So they had done that like crazy. And it was so obnoxious that one clip was repeated 12 times, 12 times. They just kept showing it. Um, So I had to unravel this. And this was tricky. And and at times it just meant I had to sit there and watch the clip over and over again to find where it was being looped, to find where it was being repeated. This is tedious. It took hours. Then I made a Twitter thread that I released yesterday. uh, And I was debating if I should even release it because I'm like, this is really boring. Like, this is really hard to watch. There's no drama. There's nothing going on here. Where's the story? And I'm like, well, there may not be a story. But we got to get this out. We got to let people see this raw footage without Tucker Carlson's voice on it, without his narration, without him trying to steer the viewer. So I went ahead and put it out by category in two-minute tweets. I'm going to put the whole 10 minutes on YouTube and label it as such. Like, this is exactly what he showed. Because when you see it bare, without his narration, without his stupid explanations, you can tell there's not much going on. So... Here's the first category, and I'm going to have to describe this to you because if I played the clips like I normally do on this podcast, it wouldn't really make any sense because you'd hear Tucker Carlson or someone else blathering on about something that's not actually seen on the screen. So the first clip was of Brian Sicknick. It was only 29 seconds long, and it's kind of poorly lit, and it's Brian Sicknick allegedly walking around part of the interior of the Capitol allegedly after he was assaulted. And Tucker Carlson takes his 29 seconds and tries to claim that, look, he's perfectly fine. He wasn't injured. That makes absolutely no sense because you can be injured, walk around and not know that you're injured. So then Tucker Carlson tried to make a lot out of the fact that initially the press said that um, Sicknick was murdered by someone hitting him over the head with a fire extinguisher. This was not accurate. This was corrected as far back as February 11, 2021. The New York Times reported that it was blurry, that they weren't sure what was going on. Again, February 11, 2021. The rest of the media followed. um, And there might be some people that may have accidentally, without realizing it, because they were told by Capitol Police that he was killed with a fire extinguisher to the head. That was incorrect. So I'm sure some news anchors said it afterward. They didn't know that that had been corrected. Tucker Carlson acts like this is some grand, vast conspiracy to hide the truth. Now, what the medical examiner actually said was he said that Sicknick died of natural causes 
and all that transpired played a role in his condition. And he's talking about the attack. I'm going to quote the New York Times regarding the article, the, the other officers. Here's this is a direct poll from The New York Times. It's cited in the newsletter. One officer lost the tip of his right index finger. Others were smashed in the head with baseball bats, flagpoles, and pipes. Another lost consciousness after rioters used a metal barrier to push her into stairs as they tried to reach the Capitol steps. The Capitol assault resulted in one of the worst days of injuries for law enforcement in the United States since September 11, 2001. At least 138 officers, 73 from the Capitol Police and 65 from the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, were injured. The departments have said they ranged from bruises and lacerations to more serious damage such as concussions, rib fractures, burns, and even a mild heart attack. The Capitol Police Chief, um, Thomas J. Manger, issued a memo the day after... Tucker Carlson started this ridiculousness on Monday. And this is his statement. I'm reading directly from it. Finally, the most disturbing accusation from last night was that our late friend and colleague, Brian Sicknick's death, had nothing to do with his heroic actions on January 6th. The department maintains, as anyone with common sense would, that had Officer Sicknick not fought valiantly for hours on the day he was violently assaulted, Officer Sicknick would not have died the next day. So that's pretty, yeah, declarative there. So that was Sicknick. And again, Tucker Carlson was using 29 seconds of footage of a man we assume is Sicknick kind of walking around. That's how he tried to claim, oh, he's he was fine. He wasn't injured. Absolute nonsense. The next one is the longest section, which got 3.5 minutes. And this is Jacob Chansley, also known as the QAnon Shaman. Now, this was several clips, and if you don't know Jacob Chansley, he also goes by uh, Jake and Jelly, and he was the one who showed up in face paint. He had the buffalo headdress um, that some reporters keep saying Viking, and it drives me crazy because Vikings did not have horns on their helmets. Little known fact. That is a misconception. Anyway, um, Chansley also was armed which Tucker Carlson said he wasn't armed. No, Chansley had a spear. And on that spear, he had tied a American flag, but it was a spear. I have no idea if it could have cut somebody or hurt somebody, but it was an actual weapon. Um, Carlson tried to depict him as a misunderstood performance artist who was trying to help Capitol Police keep order. And then he went even so far to say that they were the police officers were acting like tour guides. Now, if you actually watch the footage, clip after clip after clip, what it actually shows is Chansley walking ahead of two officers who are flagging him. They're right behind him. Now, the main officer that was next to him for the, the longest time throughout the entire event um, basically told investigators that he was trying to de-escalate the situation. And he knew that the police were wildly outnumbered. That these people were just, you know, swarming into the building and that there's no way they could keep these people back by force without more reinforcement. So that's what you see. The Capitol Police also issued a statement that Chansley entered the Senate by himself. And you can see that that's included in the video. Uh, another one that was very funny is that I thought it was funny is one of the clips that inclu included this man was a group of people coming into breaking into the Capitol building. You saw two men 
a window was broken. Now, this footage wasn't complete. It was cut up. There's frames that were missing. But you saw a broken window. And you saw two men inside the building kick the doors out. And then one of the first people that entered the Capitol was Jacob Chansley. And you could see him because he's dressed cr like a crazy person. And so you spot him right away. Tucker Carlson showed this clip six times, six times over the course of four days and dared to say that it was in dispute of how Jacob Chansley got in the building. No, we clearly see it. He walked right in. And Jacob Chansley also signed a plea agreement that his lawyer worked out for him. And there are some conflicting information over whether or not the lawyer saw all the footage ahead of time or didn't. Uh, initial reports was that the lawyer knew that they didn't have all the footage complete yet, but was okay with it and went ahead and said, yeah, sign this, please sign this. I advise you to sign this plea agreement. New reports have said that, no, he did see all the footage. I don't think it would have mattered. It's three and a half minutes worth of footage, and it just shows him kind of wandering around. Sometimes cops are behind him. Sometimes they're not. That's it. Some of the footage shows him behind the, you know, standing at the head of the Senate. Absolutely outrageous. So, yeah, that's Jacob Chansley. And I have... So that was nuts. Then the third major clip is a clip that I call the MAGA cop, which was a Capitol Police officer named Tarek Johnson who got in trouble for wearing a, a MAGA hat. Now, Tucker Carlson had him on for an extended 10-minute long interview that included footage of him at the Capitol, again, only 30 seconds. And really all Tarek Johnson did was complain about a supervising officer saying that she prevented him from doing his job. And then basically he also complained that the January 6th committee didn't interview him. He resigned from the force after being disciplined for wearing the MAGA hat. He claimed he wore the MAGA hat to help others get through the crowd, which may or may not be true. I couldn't really tell his intention from the interview, but I also didn't learn anything. Then we also have the Josh Hawley runs for his life. That was 24 seconds. We already discussed that. There's a brief clip of Alex Jones for three seconds. There was 20 seconds from a ceiling camera. Showed absolutely nothing. Um, exterior shots of showing the crowd. That was only one minute, one and a quarter minute. And that was just looped, 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 and looped. And I had to break. That took forever. And it was really only a minute and 25 seconds. Then you saw a group of rioters inside a large circular room in the Capitol. It was a minute and a half. I really don't know why that footage was included because Carlson claimed that they lined up orderly just to look at things like sightseers. That's not, that's not, what, that's not what he showed. He showed a clump of people that got bigger and bigger and bigger. The velvet ropes and stanchions were pushed to the side. They weren't breaking anything, but this was, again, only a minute and a half. So that's really nothing. Uh, and then he showed a lot of hallways. That was a minute point, a minute and a quarter of people just walking up and down the hallways. There was this peephole camera shot that was 32 seconds where you saw like a, a, a circular shot. It looked like you were looking through a peephole. It, we really got nothing from that. Then we finally have Ray Epps. I'm going to play how Tucker Carlson presented this and then I'll talk through it. There's a lot of talking in this this podcast this week because there's just so much to go through. It was just, this was my entire weekend. <laughs> but what exactly were they doing there? The January 6th committee worked hard to hide the answer to that question. We do know from contemporaneous videotape that a mysterious figure called Ray Epps encouraged the crowd to go into the Capitol. For some reason, Epps has never been indicted for that. 
but there's no question he did it. We need to go into the Capitol. Under public pressure, the January 6th committee finally interviewed Ray Epps. Epps told the committee that he never entered the Capitol and therefore never committed a crime. His text messages showed that at 2.12 p.m., he boasted to his nephew that he had, quote, orchestrated the protests at the Capitol. He admitted he helped get people there. Yet curiously, congressional Democrats consider Ray Epps an ally, not an insurrectionist. Tonight, we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that, in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. You're seeing that on your screen now. What was Epps doing there? We can't say, but we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. So I'll, I'll briefly explain who Ray Epps is and why this is important. He is like a taller gentleman. Um, he stuck out partly because he's a kind of a bigger guy and he was shouting a lot. And the right wing has turned him into a conspiracy theory. They've claimed that he was an FBI informant or an FBI agent hired to whip up the crowd and incriminate them. That has been debunked, wildly debunked. He owned a wedding entertainment business in Arizona at the time. He did not enter the Capitol building. He actually left before things got too crazy. Um, and he's been interviewed by investigators. And he, the FBI is like, yeah, we don't know him. We didn't work with him. And there's tons of evidence. And he's been harassed within an inch of his life. He said this has devastated his life and he wishes it would just stop. Tucker Carlson cannot stop. Now, this is a little confusing. So I'll try to break it down and explain what Tucker Carlson just presented there. He claimed, Tucker Carlson claimed that Ray Epps said that he left the Capitol and then texted his nephew, sent a text at 2.12 p.m. And now Tucker Carlson found proof from his footage that Ray Epps was there as late as 2.41 p.m. And Tucker Carlson's like, this is proof he lied. He's a liar, yada, yada. This is a fake investigation. Now, Washington Post broke this down. I have a hyperlink in my newsletter. This is a quote from the actual investigation. This is the investigator talking to Ray Epps. So you sent that text to your nephew around 2.12. So approximately, if that's kind of a time point, would you estimate that you left the Capitol grounds? And then Epp answers, around that time? Yes. Okay, so that's not exactly, I left exactly at 2.12. So Tucker Carlson has nothing. He's just trying to whip people up. And I honestly think, and I put this one at the, at the end of this series, and I know this is a lot, because I'm trying to show how, even though Fox News is being sued for defamation, by two fairly large corporations who have a lot of money backing them, they still, Tucker Carlson at least, will still blatantly mislead uh, his viewers about things and, and, in my opinion, completely misrepresent what he's showing them. 
Ray Epps is a very good case of defamation. He's not a public figure. He's not an elected official. The bar is much lower for him for him to win that suit. And if he wanted to go through it and put himself through the hell, he would probably get a settlement, in my humble opinion, because what Tucker Carlson has done to this poor man is outrageous. I don't care that he was a Trump supporter. It's just outrageous. I don't care that he was at January 6th. There's no reason to do this to this poor man. He did not enter the building. He didn't hurt anybody. This is outrageous. So finally, I'm at the end of this, I'm going to play um, something that made Tucker Carlson very upset, and that was Mitch McConnell admonishing him for showing this footage. What I'm going to play first is Tucker Carlson's reaction to the criticism, and then I'm going to play um, Mitch McConnell's fairly mild criticism, but still criticism, which is a little shocking considering the source there. It's a threat to democracy. Pull him off the air. A couple of obvious observations. You don't often see the Senate majority leader openly call for censorship on the floor of the Senate as if that was totally normal and didn't contradict the spirit and the letter of the First Amendment. But of course it does. Now, the audio levels here were really poor, so I'm just going to do it for you. The uh, a reporter asked Mitch McConnell, how do you feel about um, Tucker Carlson getting this footage? My uh, concern is how it was depicted, which is a different issue. Clearly, the chief of the Capitol Police, in my view, correctly describes what most of us witnessed firsthand on January 6th. So that's my reaction to it. Um, It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. Now, there was a slew of other Republicans who also admonished Tucker Carlson for doing this. Chuck Schumer had a statement. I just included the one brief one by McConnell there because, you know, you who what kind of human being <laughs> has to be admonished and corrected by the likes of, you know, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell? Because Mitch McConnell, like, he, he doesn't have shame himself, like what he pulled with the Merrick Garland Supreme Court move with Obama. He basically took a Supreme Court nomination away from Obama, even though he had no right to do that. He he just, you know, threw a fit and said, oh, it's too close to an election. This is Mitch McConnell, like not the most, you know, uh, ethical person on the planet. And he's admonishing Tucker Carlson. So that says a lot. Now, there were other stories last week on Fox News. It's like, as I said earlier, the rest of the network was basically trying to ignore Tucker Carlson. The other theme, and I put these all together, they're from both uh, The Five and Fox and Friends of the course of two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, was this crazy idea that the U.S. military should go to Mexico and intervene on behalf of, you know, people who are dying from fentanyl poisonings and overdoses and just use the U.S. military to take out Mexican drug cartels, which would be an absolute disaster. And we'd have to get Mexico to agree to that. And certainly, you know, civilians would accidentally be killed and property damage and all kinds of horrible stuff would happen. But whatever, you know, it's Fox News. They come up with this stuff. So here is the series of clips. What if they just blow up an apartment complex in Phoenix and then you're dealing with some sort of terrorism on U.S. soil 
uh, th- that's a whole different ball games because the Mexican president's not going to like being emasculated when we start throwing missiles into his territory. And we have to do something, and it has to be military. Mm. Well, I mean, militarily, going in and uh, what? Pre- precision assassinations? It, it, and if the Mexican cartels, Ainsley, had that kind of threat, hey, you know what? If we grab people close to the border, they might send a cruise missile over at us or do something. Maybe they wouldn't do it. The White House, though, is not sold on the idea of using the military to go after cartels. But maybe they should listen to what Joe Biden has said about it. Okay, I found this enormously humorous because this clip is from 27 years ago. And it's very clear that it's from 27 years ago. The year was on the screen and Biden is a much, much younger man in this clip. So however relevant that is. But I'm the guy that suggested in the first national drug strategy that we get the military involved. The military, in fact, can do a very important job by using their radars, by using their technology, by using their ability to identify for purposes of interdiction drug trafficking patterns. I like having the military option on the table. I don't think it's the right move to just lob missiles willy-nilly right away. But you have to be careful. If you destabilize already a failed narco state, Mexico, more than we, it already is destabilized, we could have a huge problem. It's- if it were al-Qaeda yep. or if it were ISIS, three miles from the United States border, and I agree, there may be more to this story, uh, we would be doing something about it. Yeah, as I, I, the second clip of Waters was uh, the Wednesday. The first clip was Tuesday. So he, he softened it a little bit, like, well, maybe... Dealing with a narco state's a bad idea. Now, I did some research on this for another video. And Mexicans see this quite differently than we do. Um, As much as we talk about crime and drug cartels, they get about 90% of their guns legally from the United States, which is absolutely staggering. And part of the problem is Americans, and they they discuss this a little bit. I couldn't include it because the clip would be too long. Um, but Greg Gutfeld, of all people, was the one that actually pointed out, as Waters did a little bit too, that part of the problem is the, the U.S. has a appetite for illegal drugs. So we have this huge marketplace with tons of money and people buying the drugs, and then the drug cartels can come over and get all of these guns fairly easily, and they bring them back to Mexico. And so we're fueling this, this idea that, you know, it's, you know, poor beleaguered the United States being assaulted by these evil Mexican drug cartels is warped. It's a dual problem. We are feeding the drug cartels by buying illegal drugs, and the drug cartels are getting weapons quite easily, very powerful weapons, from the United States. And then another problem that adds to this puzzle is that Mexico has had a lot of corruption, and we just, you know, one of the high-ranking intelligence officials who was in charge of you know, kind of keeping an eye on drug cartels just got convicted in a U.S. federal court for taking bribes from drug cartels. So that's part of the problem, too, is that there's people in the Mexican government that cannot, you know, these drug cartels have so much money, they can't resist and they, they go ahead and end up, you know, doing shady business for the drug cartels, covering it up for them and all all of that. So it's not going to be that easy to just send a cruise missile over and then end this Uh, fentanyl crisis. But moving on, we have this clip from Brian Kilmeade. I thought this was funny, which is why I included it. And there was a lot of talk this past week about um, 
Fox News anchors being disappointed with these, you know, congressional investigations they expected to be, you know, quite dramatic and over the top, and they're actually pretty boring and uneventful. They want to attack a guy with great integrity who couldn't be further from a conservative in real life. In case you didn't hear it, Michael Schellenberger voted for Joe Biden. He ran, uh, he ran for office. He is somebody that was very much for the green movement. He writes this. Much of the hubbub yesterday involved the many, well, uh, involved this, is this if they were saying, when did Elon Musk start beating your wife? Mm-hmm. He said it was a bizarre collection display of a whole group of politicians not understanding some pretty basic things about how to act around a journalist. This was an absolute abomination embarrassment, and this is the biggest story that nobody's talking about. Yesterday was the exposure time, and they didn't expose anything. It's a slightly confusing uh, clip there, but... Kilmeade is complaining about the uh, investigation that involves Twitter. It has like a longer name, like the weaponization of the American government, yada, yada. And um, the Twitter files are hilarious because it's one big nothing burger because both sides are trying to get Twitter to take stuff down. Twitter actually defied the feds several times. There's proof of it. They actually posted this. And the whole thing was a complete joke, in my humble opinion. Again, this is just my opinion. Because the, the quote-unquote journalists uh, were doing the bidding of Elon Musk. And now they pretend that they weren't. They had whistleblowers or sources that they won't reveal. Come on. I mean, Elon Musk, day one of the Twitter files. It, it, somebody reposted this. I laughed my head off. Posted, here we go. And there was Matt Tahibi, the journalist who started, who did the first installment of the Twitter files and some subsequent ones. So, yeah, that's not really how journalists work. <laughs> uh, Elon Musk was talking up this, you know, grand investigation into Twitter, the company that he owns, saying, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then when he releases it, he's like, and here's the journalist that I handpicked to do this for me. And I gave him all this stuff. And now months later, um, Matt Tahibi's like, I'm not going to reveal my source. Uh, that's my, wait, uh, Matt Tahibi, I have kind of a smug weird Matt Tahibi impression that I've done before. I, you know, it's kind of a wash. People thought I made a lot of money off of this. And uh, are you kidding? Uh, sure, maybe I have a lot of subscribers now on Twitter and my Substack, But, you know, I was a card-carrying member of the ACLU. Yeah, and you're also a tanky. So <laughs> if you don't know what a tanky is, it's someone who's weirdly promotes Russia and is obsessed with communism. That's a whole other conversation. Not a fan of tankies, but that's my Matt Tahibi. And just because I haven't done her this uh, week, I'm just going to throw it out. I'll introduce, here we go. This is how I'll do it. I'm Judge Janine, and I'm going to introduce the next segment of the podcast. And that's stories that Fox News ignored. Why did they ignore them? Because they don't care. Because they reported the same five stories over and over again. Which is the border is collapsing. Everything's going to hell. Crime, crime, crime. Run for your lives. There's a trans person. That's Fox News. And I'm sick of it. I'll tell you something. Okay, that's my Judge Janine impression. Now, this is the next section. This is going to be kind of long for a podcast. My apologies. This This story by Tucker Carlson was overwhelming. Here we go. Stories that Fox News ignored. Every week I compare 15 hours of Fox News with five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following is a list are stories that PBS included that Fox News did not. Here we go. Big one. 
Former President Donald J. Trump was given the option of testifying before a New York City grand jury in a case involving hush money paid to porn actress Stormy Daniels and whether or not it contributed to an improper campaign contribution. Last Tuesday, at least six Palestinians were killed in the occupied West Bank after the Israeli army raided the city of Jenin. Two Israeli soldiers were injured in the raid, one seriously. In the same city on Thursday, Israeli forces killed three Islamic Jihad militants. The incident came on the same day U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was visiting Israel. Mass protests continued in Israel over the far right's government's plan to limit the power of the Supreme Court. China helped broker a truce between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Both countries have agreed to reestablish relations. The National Transportation Safety Board announced it will open a special investigation into Norfolk Southern Railroad safety practices and culture. Since December 2021, the NTSB has launched investigation teams into five significant accidents involving Norfolk Southern. This includes the derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, as well as three others that resulted in worker fatalities. Turkey had another moderate earthquake last week that registered 4.8. This is following a devastating earthquake in February that killed over 54,000 people and left over 1 million homeless in Turkey and neighboring Syria. A mandated survey of U.S. military academies found that 21.4% of female students and 4.4% of male students indicated that they experienced unwanted sexual contact in the past school year. The Pentagon estimates that only about 14% went on to report the abuse to military authorities. The latest jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics showed the U.S. economy added 311,000 non-farm payroll jobs in February. The unemployment rate also rose more than expected last month, increasing from 3.4% in January to 3.6% in February, as labor force participation picked up. New jobs openings decreased to 10.8 million in January. General Motors offered buyouts to the majority of its U.S. white-collared workers. This comes a week after the company announced it would be laying off 500 of its salaried employees. Danny Werfel, President Biden's nominee to head the IRS, was confirmed by the U.S. Senate. The Biden administration added $5 billion to its proposed budget to eradicate hepatitis C. The disease that once caused a lower quality of life and sometimes premature death can now be cured by treatment, but the treatment is extremely expensive. Five women are suing the state of Texas over the state's narrow abortion ban. The women are arguing that the lives and the lives of their fetuses were put at risk due to the ban on abortion. Two women were pregnant with twins when one twin became non-viable, putting the remaining fetus in danger. In the same state, teenagers are barred from obtaining birth control without a parent's permission. Girls were able to get birth control in federal family planning clinics until a federal judge ruled that such clinics violate Texas state law and federal constitutional rights. American Semantic Namaz, who had been detained in Iran since 2015, gave an unprecedented interview via phone from the inside of Evan Prison with CNN's Christine Amapour. Namaz Namazi is currently being held with two other Americans, Morad Tabas and Imad Sarji. Sarji's sister, Niada Sarji, and daughter, Hannah, went on the news hour in part to plead directly to the Biden administration for the relative's release. More than one million French citizens participated in a general strike and protest against the government's proposal to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. 
Protesters in Greece took to the streets over the recent train disaster that killed 57 people. Iranian schoolgirls began falling ill three months ago in what some government officials have characterized as attacks. The incidents have spread to over 200 schools, including university dormitories. Many parents and activists believe the girls are being poisoned to prevent them from attending school. Protests regarding the attacks have broken out across the country. In a recent interview, the U.S. Department of Justice found that Louisville Police Department repeatedly violated civil rights. The report is a result of a nearly two-year investigation into the LMPD after the police killing of Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old black woman and medical worker. The Department of Justice also began a review of the Memphis police force after the killing of Tyree Nichols. JetBlue wants to merge it with Spirit Airlines, but the Justice Department is against it, arguing that it will reduce the competition for lower-cost air travel. New U.S. intelligence reporting suggests a pro-Ukrainian group might be responsible for the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline. There's no evidence that links the Ukrainian government to the attack. PBS produced a segment on the slight increase in birth rate following the COVID-19 crisis. California is threatening to cut off Walgreens from all state-funded medical insurance plans over the pharmacy's plans to stop distributing some medications used in abortions and miscarriages in 20 states where the drugs face legal challenges. Rafael Grassi, the chief of the International Atomic Energy Agency, has said that he had a constructive meetings with Iranian officials after the discovery of uranium particles enriched to near-weapons-grade level. Judy Human, an activist for the disabled, died at the age of 75. She lost her ability to walk after being stricken with polio at age two, but spent her entire adult life advocating for the disabled through protests and legal actions. A health insurance marketplace was hacked, potentially exposing sensitive personal data of members of Congress, their employees, and families. The FBI is aware of the incident and is assisting. Even though the pandemic has largely subsided, Hundreds of Americans are still dying from COVID-19 every day. That's a lot. None of that was talked about on Fox. None of it. Now, finally, this is a long podcast. My apologies, guys. This was just a crazy, crazy week. Um, it's, It's why I'm recording this so late. So Fox News, the top five topics were January 6th footage, congressional investigations, Mexican drug cartels, anti trans stories, and Fox promotion, which was actually Benjamin Hall who was a war correspondent who was horribly injured at the start of the war. He's coming out with a book, and they were heavily promoting it. And honestly, he seems like a genuinely good person. His reporting was not biased. Fox does actually have some decent reporters, and I would call Benjamin Hall one of them. And what happened to him was just awful. Um, He was ambushed in a car, and the people he worked with all died. He miraculously survived. He's a father of three little girls. So actually, I would recommend probably getting that book. It probably looks really good. Uh, So I had to re-record this little section because the cats were making too much noise behind me. That's Odin and Thor. They're both very young, so they're very active. Kind of crazy. They're still making noise. Could you stop it, guys? Just, you know, haven't slept much. Anyway, here we go. PBS News are a top five topics by percentage for the week ending March 12, 2023. Uh, They did this great... Uh, overview of possible Republican candidates for 2024. Uh, I get so angry when people say PBS is uh, biased because they haven't watched it. They just haven't watched it if they think that. They did, uh, it was very respectful, calm, professional. 
they went through a number of different leaders in the Republican Party and talked to them about possible candidates and people who might run, may not run. It was, it was fascinating. I loved it. Uh, artist profile was 11%. That was number two. That's a standard. America, the Crossroads is the new uh, series produced by Judy Woodruff, who used to be the main host of the NewsHour. She's like semi-retired, but she's still working on this brilliant piece. And it's about the political divides in the country. It's very suited for Fox News, actually. Uh, Ukraine war was at 4% and Norfolk Southern Senate investigation that was mentioned on Fox, but PBS put a lot of more, a uh, lot more time and effort into it. The word count for words used on Fox was not that unusual. Um, January 6th was 117 crime, 78 border, 73 Mexico, 72 Twitter, 61 China, Chinese dropped to 43 as did, uh, crime was lower at 78 actually. Inflation, 11. AOC, 14. She always makes the list, pretty much. Hunter, 18. That's about it. You can check out the whole thing if you'd like on the newsletter. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Odin Thor, thank you. Decoding Fox News at Patreon, or you can become a paid subscriber if you'd like to support the podcast financially. Thank you so much. I'll see you at the next podcast.